Well, yes, I hope you did have a happy Thanksgiving this week, um, whether you spent time with family safely or you did some Thanksgiving over Zoom. Um, either way, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and did have the opportunity to really dive in and thank God for the many blessings that we all have and experience. And as I said, yeah, we're going to be wrapping up our Untangled series, looking at the things that entrap us, the worries of the world that capture our minds, that wrap up our hearts, right? But before we jump into that, I have a little bit of a game to get us started. There's a lot of different TV shows and game shows that have you guess that tune, right? And, and maybe it's one note or a couple seconds, but I think if I whistle maybe like two or three seconds of this song, all of us will know what it is. So are you all ready? If you're ready online, you can leave a comment right once you know, okay? Ready? There you go. You guys did better than, this, than the first service. You see, they, they didn't say anything. They were just like, oh yeah, I know that song. Yeah. No, you guys said it. Don't worry, be happy. If you're unfamiliar with the song, it's a 1988 classic by Bobby McFerrin, written for the movie Cocktail with Tim Cruise. And it is the highest grossing a cappella song of all time. All the sounds, all the noises that you hear in that song are all made with his voice. And even 32 years later, just a few snippets of the whistle brings to mind this phrase, don't worry, be happy. And I think unintentionally, though creating a very catchy song, a song that I'm sure is still stuck in our heads right now, Bobby McFerrin is pushing that this is the truth. That in order to get rid of worry, in order to find freedom from the worries of the world, that all we have to do is be happy. So be happy. And thank you so much for joining us at Arise Church Denver. We will see you next week. I don't think that's enough. <laughs> I don't think being happy, a simple platitude that when we're faced with worrying, to be happy is not enough. You see, if 2020 has shown us anything, it's that being happy when we're faced with a year such as this is not enough. That we were faced with a pandemic that we never would have expected in January or February, that we're faced with the reality of new lives, a new normal, that we've had more difficulties and frustrations and pain and hurt and illness and disease and death than we thought could be thrown at us. If our former selves back in January of 2020 would look at us now, we would be desperately and utterly confused at what is happening right now. That we're sitting separated with fabric on our faces. That the majority of people who call Arise Denver their church home are now watching online. They're going to church on Facebook and YouTube. When we're faced with a reality like what 2020 has handed us, I don't have to tell you but being happy is not going to cut it. 
Because our worries are heavy. They hurt. They occupy our minds. Perhaps as you're seated here right now or watching on your phone or computer, you're kind of listening to my voice, but in the back of your head, the worries are spinning even now. But the great thing is, is that our God doesn't leave us with the claim to be happy. That Jesus actually offers something so much more better and so much greater than the simple platitude to be happy. And as we've gone throughout this series of Untangle, I hope it has impacted you. I want to do a quick review and then we're going to dive into how Jesus wraps up this section because I think it is so important. The first week we talked about how it's really easy to make our appearance on the outside look good. That it's so easy for us to focus on looking good on the outside, but what we really need to do is to be transformed by God on the inside. Like the bowl of cereal that Matt had. That it's not enough to just look good on the outside. We need to clean that gross spaghetti crust on the inside of our lives. We need to let God transform us. And in the same vein, two weeks ago, we talked that we can be so wrapped up in the opinions and the fears of others, our reputation, our ideas of success, that we fear man. And the only thing that can free us from that is to replace that fear with a reverence and a respect and a healthy fear of the God of the universe who spoke everything into being. That only the fear of God frees us from the fear of man. And then last week, we talked about something we don't really like to talk about, right? Money. The idea that if we, only, we can only put our money in the right perspective, if we're first rich towards God, if we acknowledge, as we hopefully did this week on Thanksgiving, that all of our blessings, everything that we have comes from God. And I want you to keep that in your mind. Because these passages that we talked about last week and what we're going to talk about today are really connected. That Jesus is not taking a a U-turn, but he's actually just continuing on the same course and saying, you know what, if in order to be rich towards God, we also need to do this. That if we put our money, our ideas of success, our reputation in the right mindset, then we can actually do what our series says. That we can find freedom from the worries of the world. And that sounds pretty nice, right? It sounds better than just somebody shouting or singing at you, be happy. So we're going to jump in. We're in Luke 12, starting in verse 22. It starts off like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or what you're, about your body, what you will wear. For your life is more than clothes and your body, excuse me, your life is more than food and your body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not store or reap. They have no storeroom or barn and yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? I'm going to give you guys a tip. Whenever you read the Bible and you see the word therefore, we interpret it as the word Therefore. We look at what was previously said before. Because what Jesus is doing, he's connecting the ideas of being rich towards God and pushing them 
to their conclusion. Because even though many of us have encountered this verse before, what Jesus is saying is, let's be honest, it's radical. We might have had a series investigating Jesus' radical, but Jesus continues to be radical. Maybe it's not as radical to us because we heard this before, or because for many of us, we've never had a question about the food on our table or the clothes that are on our backs. That for many of us, we have pantries full of food and closets full of clothes. But if you're out there and you've experienced a time when you can't put food on your table, or when you're wearing threadbare clothes, or like the disciples, they were working class people. Regular guys with regular jobs trying to put food on the table. And for Jesus to say that to his disciples and to people who are wrestling with food scarcity, with not having clothes, to not worry about the basic necessities of life, it's a pretty bold claim. To not worry about the food, the things that allows you to live. To not worry about your clothes, the things that protect you from the elements that allow you to function in society, right? These are some basic necessities. And for many of us, we don't have to worry about those things. We can eat what we want. We have clothes that we don't even wear, right? Our worries are other things. But if Jesus is going to claim that these basic necessities we can't even worry about, things that we don't even think about, how much more insignificant, ultimately, are the things that we often worry about? But keep it in our minds that we're interpreting this passage as a continuation of being rich towards God. Jesus continues on. In verse 25, he says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And since you cannot do this very little thing, why then do you worry about the rest? Once again, Jesus is making a big claim. Because we want an extra hour, right? Think about how many times we said, well, I want to do that, but I don't have enough time. I'd love to join a community group, but my week is so swamped. Like, I'd love to exercise, but I don't have enough time. We often worry about time. An extra hour sounds nice. An extra hour in our life before COVID to really enjoy being with one another, going and sitting and eating in a restaurant, that sounds nice. But Jesus is saying just one hour in our lives. I don't know about you, but I haven't added an hour to my life. In fact, often when we er worry, we do the opposite. We take time away, productive hours that we could be doing good things. And we take hours away. I just want to put this in perspective for all of us. So there's 8,760 8, hours in a year. 
And the average life expectancy for us in the United States in 2019 was 79 years. So that means that you and I have an average of 6,900, excuse me, 692,040 hours in our lives. Good amount of time, right? That's what an hour of difference is. 0.0000001445. Nothing. Statistically, no difference. That all the stress that we have, all the worries, all the time that we spent stewing and thinking and working out scenarios doesn't even net that amount of difference. And as Jesus puts it so plainly, if we can't even add an hour, then why do we worry about the rest? Since we can't even do this very little thing, we can't even make a mathematically, statistically zero amount of difference, why then do we worry about everything else? Because the reality is that though worry is common, it's widespread, I'm sure every one of us have done it this week, maybe even this morning, it's not helpful. Jesus knows this, and you know what? The scientific community knows this as well. In an article released in the Clinical Psychology and Psychotherapy Journal, they did a long-term study that found that 85% of what their participants worried about didn't happen. Think about that. 85% of the things that they were focused on, the things that were dwelling in their mind, didn't happen. And even more than this, the other 15%, the stuff that did happen, the stuff that maybe we should worry about, 79% of the subjects found either one of two things. First, that it, it wasn't as bad as they were expecting. Or second, that the difficulties that they went through taught them a lesson that was worth learning. That means, according to this long-term study, that about 97% of what the subjects worried about was insignificant. It either didn't happen, it was less than what they thought, or it taught them a lesson that was worth going through. 97%. And that's just one study. There's so many studies out there that show that the things that we spend our time on, the things that stew on our mind, the things that come when our head hits the pillow and we're trying to fall asleep, aren't worth it. That our minds, our God-given imagination has the ability to take a small thing and turn it into the end of the world, right? But I don't want you to hear me wrong. I don't want to diminish the things that we're going through. And I don't think Jesus does either. What Jesus is saying, that the things that we go through, the pain, the hurt, this year that we never expected, are significant. They have a point. But our response to worry about them is pointless. It statistically makes no difference. And yet, we worry, right? We worry. 
We chew. We run the scenarios over and over and over again in our heads. And let's just lay it out on the table. 2020 has given us a lot to worry about. A pandemic, disease, connection, loneliness, what our governments, both at the federal and local level, are doing or not doing. Maybe you've lost your job this year. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe you've cut, had hours cut. Maybe you've had to switch careers. Maybe you've had to move. Maybe you're trying to figure out at home what it looks like for both of you to work from home while your, while your kids are going to school. And you're trying to be both a parent, a teacher, and do your job. Or maybe you're sending your kids to school and that's not any better because you're just worried the whole time you're there or the whole time that you're at the office, or the whole time you're at church, or the whole time you're not at church. Maybe you're worried about your quarantine 15, right? The gyms are closed. They got 10%. I can't make it to the gym. Maybe you're worried about another lockdown. Maybe you're still worried about murder hornets. Maybe you're worried about wildfires, climate change, hurricanes. This is all just this year, folks. And the list goes on and on and on. We have so much to worry about. So much to worry about. But the thing is, is that our worrying isn't helpful. I love the way the French philosopher puts it. He says that my life has been filled with terrible misfortune most of which never happened. Most of which never happened. Jesus continues on. He says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith. Because as widespread and as unhelpful, and ultimately we think of worry as just something that is a reality of life, that we live busy, difficult, hectic lives, and a byproduct of that is worry. But Jesus sees through this. It's not that worrying and happiness are at odds, that if we're just more happy, then we're going to worry less, or if we worry, then our happiness goes down. That's not what's at stake. It's worry and faith. Because think about it. If you've lost your job this year, if you've been laid off, you've had some thoughts wondering if God is still in control. Wondering if you've been trying to follow him, trying to be good, and then you lose your job and you feel let down. You feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. Your faith maybe goes down a little, right? If this year you've had to deal with worries that you never expected, you never imagined a reality where you maybe wouldn't even be able to go to church, where you're trying to figure out your family dynamic when all of you are at home, trying to balance your jobs, your school, kids that want to just go out and play with their friends, 
And you wonder if God is still really in control. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? Or maybe this year you were faced with a diagnosis or a test result, or you tested positive, or you've lost a family member to this awful disease, and you begin to wonder, God, are you still good? Do you still care about me? Do you see what I'm going through? Because as worry increases, faith begins to decrease. Because each of us have a scale in our life. And as worry gets heavy and we get burdened down with the problems and difficulties and frustrations and pain in our life, the scale pushes down and our faith gets lighter and lighter and lighter, right? And we're left with a life where we begin to question the character of God, whether God really is who he claims to be. But the amazing thing is that God doesn't leave us with our scale in the wrong position. That through the power of Jesus coming to save us, to give his life, to deal with the biggest worry that each one of us have, our sin, that we have direct access to God, a God that is good a God that is in control, a God that is still holding all things together even in 2020. We have a God that we can put our faith in even in the midst of what we're facing in this moment. And when that happens, the scale begins to move and our faith begins to get heavy. It begins to get rooted. It begins to get grounded in who God is that we can deal with the problems that we're facing, that it's not any less significant or hurtful that we've lost our job, that we're dealing with a reality that we've never experienced before, that we've maybe lost a loved one. We no longer have to face it alone. We have a God that we can believe in, a God that is still in control. Because the truth is, is that what worry does is it tries to put us in control. It says, you know what, God, I know you've maybe taken care of things in the past, but I got this one. I'm going to figure this one out. I'm going to let my mind go and, and figure it out, and if I run enough scenarios, I can choose the right way to proceed. But when we take control, we're faced with the consequences, right? This was evident to me a couple weeks back when I had a simple stomach ache. And in a regular, ordinary year, a stomach ache, I would just interpret as, yeah, you know, maybe I ate something bad. I'm, I'm not the healthiest eater. I could probably be better. I don't know. But I don't have to tell you that in this year, stomach ache is different, right? My mind began to spin. I began to run scenarios in my head. Temptation started to slip in. The devil used what it was a simple stomach ache 
and began to wonder, what if my family gets sick? What if my mom that comes out to watch Lucy gets sick? What are we going to do then? What if I actually have COVID and everyone that I came in contact with at the church gets sick? The church gets shut down. Because that's what happens, right? Our imagination takes over and we turn a simple stomach ache into the end of Arise Church Denver, right? And as I sat there on the sick side, waiting for my COVID test, my faith felt like nothing. I just said, God, I don't know what the future holds, but I can't do it myself. I was negative, I didn't have COVID. But even if I did, I could still put my faith in God. Because God's answer to our worry isn't just calling us to be happy. Look, look at what Jesus says. I love this so much. He continues on. He says, Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagans, the people that are far from God, they run after these things. They spend their life chasing them. Your Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom, and all of these things will be given to you as well. All these things. Because Jesus doesn't respond to our worry with denying the things that we're going to, going through. He loves us. He cares about us. He doesn't just call us to be happy. He sits with us in the difficulties that we're going through. And instead of a simple call to be happy, I think it's time for a rewrite. Because here's a simple song that I wrote you may want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be faithful. That in the midst of our worry, God is calling us to replace the stewing that goes on in our minds that takes hours away from our life with a call to the life that he wants for us. A call that seeks his kingdom first. That above all else, no matter what happens, even if 2021 is worse, that God is still who he says he is. That when we get the call that we're being laid off, that our hours are being cut, that we don't know what the future holds, that God is still in control. And that God is calling us to a life better than what we could ever imagine. As Jesus puts it, a life to the full. A life that calls us on mission to bring about the kingdom of God right now. Not that God needs us, not that God needs me, not that God needs Matt, not that God needs the best preacher or pastor or anyone. That God's will will be done. That God's kingdom is going to come, but that God so graciously invites us in. He says, come on, we're doing this. But the kingdom of God is not just for people like me that work at a church, but it's for all of us. As we usher in the kingdom of God in our relationships, in our family, in our community, in our neighborhoods, 
and as Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. That we're invited into the kingdom of God, that God will transform us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make us more and more like Jesus, that we no longer have to face our worries alone, but that God is always with us. Sounds just a little bit better than be happy, right? And that's exactly what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that Jesus used as an example to show us what to pray about. In Matthew 6, 9 through 10, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we as followers of Jesus get to make earth more like heaven. Get to live into the love that God has for us and show it to others. That we don't have to rely on the ways of the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we have a God who is filled with love and grace and mercy and justice and peace. And that we get to help make earth more and more like heaven. And Jesus wraps up this section, showing us how to do that. He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your kingdom has been pleased, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That we no longer have to live a life of fear and trepidation. But we can replace our fear with faith that God is who he says he is that the kingdom of God is coming and is here now and we get to be a part of it. But even more than that, he continues on, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes and no moth destroys. Jesus is a good speaker, right? He's tying it back to what we talked about last week. That in order to be rich towards God, we have to put our money and our life and our success and everything that we have under God. That when we do that, we can move from a scarcity mindset to one of generosity, to one of love, to one that gives to the poor. That's why we do these Christmas outreaches, so that we can show the love of God and deliver hope to people who need it. That's why we do outreach here locally and globally to bring the good news of Jesus to the nations, to partner with people who are doing amazing work throughout the world, to raise up missionaries and pastors, to see the world transformed, to see God's kingdom come. Last week, Matt mentioned we're, we're having a new fund in our giving, our Christmas fund, that we can use to provide these Hope Sweet Hope boxes that we can use to help make a further impact with our Ignite stockings, with Ashley Elementary, to help this family who's moving to Denver, who has faced a life that we can't even imagine. We get to deliver hope. And Jesus wraps it up so perfectly. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we begin to seek God's kingdom first, we can move from fear to faith. 
We can move from scarcity mindset to a mindset of generosity. And we can move from worry to worship of the God of the universe who cares about you. I love the way that Rick Warren puts it. He says, living in light of eternity changes our perspective right now. That no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through, whether your life is at its lowest point right at this moment, that God is not done with you yet. That God is still working. That God is still in control. But as Jesus wrapped up his message, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, we have a really important question. A question that I hope sticks with you past the end of this series. And it's, where is your heart? Where is your heart? So as the band comes forward, I want all of us here in person or, or those watching online, it might be a little weird depending upon where you're watching online, but I want you to hold out your hands like this. I want all of us to close our eyes because I think we got some work to do. <laughs> that if we're really honest, this year has been something that we never expected and we find ourselves in a couple places this morning. And so maybe this morning you feel like you've been so wrapped up in the things that you can do. With the appearance that you put on in front of other people, with your desire for success, that you find your treasure in what you can do, in what you produce, the zeros in your bank account, the things that you have. And if that's you this morning, if that's us this morning, slowly open your hands and begin to say, God, I'm not what I can do. But I have my treasure. My heart is because I'm yours. Because of the ways that you see me. Because I am a child of God. And so maybe for you this morning, you're weighed down. Your scale of worry is heavy. It hurts. It's painful. That throughout this whole message, your mind has been going even still. And as hard as it may be to let go of control and begin to put your faith in the God of the universe, slowly open your hands and begin to say, God, I can't do this myself anymore. I trust you. I want to replace my worry with worship and my faith, excuse me, my fear with faith. And maybe this morning, some of us for the first time are beginning to see that the God of the Bible really is who he says he is. That God doesn't want to judge us for the worries, but that God sees the difficulty and pain and hurt that we're going through and just wants to love us. That in Jesus, the biggest worry, the worry beyond all worries, our sin that separated us from God, has been met 
with Jesus coming down from heaven, being born as a baby, living a perfect life, speaking truth to the worries that we deal with daily, and then giving up his life on a cross. And declaring that there is no need to worry anymore. And he was raised by God three days later, conquering our sin, death, worry, and the devil. And maybe for the first time you're like, I'm ready for that fullest life. I want to experience that right now. And if that's you this morning, I want you to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner filled with worry and I can't do my life alone anymore. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me, make me new. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. I believe you died for me so that I could live for you. Help me follow you the rest of my life. And slowly say, God, I'm yours. If you said that prayer for the first time this morning, I want you to raise your hand in the air because we are excited to celebrate that God is with you, that God is for you, and that you can experience a life fullest, that you no longer need to worry anymore, that you can turn to worship. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love if you would go to arisedenver.com follow. If you fill out that form, we want to celebrate you. We want to get you plugged in. We want to rejoice because worry no longer has a hold on your life. Your life is untangled. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are who you say you are, that you are good, that you are in control, that nothing is a surprise to you. God, I pray that we would let go of our worries, that we would let go of control, that we would trade fear for faith, and that we would trust in you. Transform us, love us, make us more and more like Jesus. Allow us to live more in tune with your spirit. Thank you for being a good, good father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.